Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Chapter 15. Aragog. Summer was creeping over the grounds around the castle. Sky and lake alike turned periwinkle blue, and flowers large as cabbages burst into bloom in the greenhouse. I'm Casper Turkile. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. My mom's mom was not the warmest person throughout my childhood. I was around her all the time. You know, we went over there every Friday night for dinner, and I saw her at least twice a week. But one of my first memories of her is that there was a Friday night we were over and I asked my mom for a piece of paper and a pencil to draw. And my mom said, ask your grandmother. And I looked at my grandmother and went, "Mm, not worth it and found something else to do. It just wasn't worth having a conversation with her to draw. But as she got older, she got softer. She got sweeter and kinder and gentler. And so much so that my junior and senior year of high school, I would go over after school once a week and I would just crawl into bed with her. She was pretty much bedridden the last few years of her life. And we would talk for a couple of minutes. We would giggle about something, probably something mean. And then we would nap. We would hold hands and nap. And in high school, you know, as for all of us nerds, high school was tough. And this bed with my grandmother became a sanctuary for me. It became a place where whatever drama had happened in school was irrelevant. And it was just a place of peace and love and laughter and a little bit of self-indulgence. And it's really my fondest memory of my grandmother is getting into that bed with her, holding hands and laughing and napping. And the reason I think that memory came up for me when reading this chapter of Aragog through the theme of sanctuary is because we see the Gryffindor common room change just in this chapter from being sort of a prison of the place where all the students have to be because the castle is unsafe to later it's this place of sanctuary for Harry and Ron. They've been in danger. And once they're back in the Gryffindor common room, they feel safe. And 
My grandmother was that for me. She was sometimes an unsafe place, but the last few years of her life, her bed really was just a sanctuary to me. And so I'm excited to think about what it means to have a sanctuary and what sanctuary is while we think through this chapter of Aragog. Vanessa, I love that a chapter which is about a terrifying spider can elicit such a tender story and such a beautiful memory. And I think all of us want a place like that, um, you know, a place of calm and, and safety and joy. So thank you for sharing that. However, the 30-second recap is brutal, and uh, there's no space for cuteness and calmness in that space. I have years of napping behind me. I'm ready. <laughs> all the energy in the world, Turkile. Bring it on, Zoltan. Okay. Ready? Yeah. On your mark. Get set. Go. This chapter starts with Harry wondering with the words that Dumbledore left about, you know, anyone who's loyal to me. They're in Snape's classroom. Draco is showing off that he's cool and he wants Snape to be headmaster. Um, and then um, uh, they see some sp spiders and um, they rush down to get Fang and um, they use their cloak because they have to hide, blah, blah, blah. They go into the forest. The car uh, greets them. Then they find Aragog and Aragog's like, are you a friend of Hagrid's? And then they escape because the car helps them. And um, the air of Slytherin something. The monster is not the Aragog. <laughs> You're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty rough. Okay, how about you? You ready? Three, two, one, go. Harry and Ron decide that because Hermione's in trouble and everybody is sort of, you know, scared that they're going to follow the spiders, take Hagrid's advice. So they go into the Forbidden Forest and they're really scared and they find they get captured by these spiders and they go and then they meet Aragog. And Aragog is like, I am not the monster. Hagrid had nothing to do with this. There is a monster. I can't even tell you the name. It's so terrible. But it killed a girl. The girl died in the bathroom. Harry, they escape because of the car and Harry's like, oh my God, the girl in the bathroom is moaning Myrtle. And that's where I'm going to end. Well, it's good because that was 30 seconds. Thank you. That's why I was going to end there. <laughs> I respect limitations of the universe. Now that everybody knows everything exactly that happened in the chapters, Casper, where do you want to start talking about our theme of sanctuary? Well, you know, I was thinking about what makes a sanctuary a sanctuary. And one of the pieces that I think often happens, whether you walk into, you know, a space of worship or even just thinking of that scene of you and your grandmother Often silence is really important in these spaces. You talked for a little bit and then you would just nap together. Or if you walk into a church or a synagogue or, you know, another space of worship, often it, it just has this kind of hush about the space. And we see that as Harry and Ron walk into the forest. The text tells us they walked for about 20 minutes, not speaking, listening hard for noises other than the breaking of twigs and rustling of leaves. And so there's something about that space that even though it might be frightening, certainly the forest is, there's also something mysterious and something worshipful because of that silence. Does that make sense in some way? That completely makes sense to me. I think that silence leaves room, right? So it leaves room for a little bit of mystery and a little bit of reverence. Yeah. And you're reminding me that not only is it silent, you know, they also can't see anything. There's both the kind of loss of sound, the loss of sight. And in some way, there's all these kind of archetypal ideas. We've learned 
in divinity school about you know that there's different kind of theological ideas of how one might approach the divine or like how do you grow in intimacy with something that people call god and there's this idea of the via negativa that it's not by accurately describing or capturing or painting but it's actually by taking away everything that isn't god that you finally get to that kind of mystery and suddenly i'm seeing that imagery in this chapter i don't know maybe i'm reading a little too much into it <laughs> I do not think that you are. And I never would have thought of the Forbidden Forest as sanctuary until, you know, reading this chapter. And then really it crystallized for me hearing you speak about it. But are sanctuaries always a little bit entangled with danger? Because, I mean, the root of sanctuary is the idea that churches and temples used to be places where criminals could literally hide and not be arrested, that it was a legal sanctuary. And I think that a church is a complicated place. It's a place where, depending on your denomination, you go to confess, you go to mourn, you go, you know, to engage in really intense moments. And then in the right context, it can also be a place of sanctuary. And the Forbidden Forest is obviously a place of tremendous fear and angst. And, you know, and the forest is a lot of different things over these seven books, but I love the idea that because it is also so many things, because the forest has so much enveloped in it, it is also a place of sanctuary. Well, and you're so right, because sure, it's scary for Ron and Harry, but for Aragog, you know, if you just imagine there is someone who's come from a foreign land and he is being given sanctuary in this forest, like this is a place where he can be safe. I love that idea. You know, you have the sanctuary movement, which is really blossoming again in churches gives people who are, you know, undocumented a place where they can be, where the law traditionally, as you said, doesn't encroach upon that kind of sacred space. But yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, that it's also a sanctuary space for characters in the book that aren't safe in the outside world. Right. Hagrid is sort of a priest to Aragog. Whoa! It's Aragog is this illegal creature who's been brought across borders and Hagrid gives him sanctuary first in a cupboard, but then gives him access to the forest and then has a very priestly relationship with Aragog where he's in constant communication and Hagrid is the one human who Aragog trusts. And it's that spiritual relationship that the two of them have that allows Harry some entrance. But you know, Harry isn't a priest figure to Aragog. And so that becomes more complicated. Right. And it becomes dangerous. This is making me think, you know, in the Jewish tradition, where in the temple on the Holy of Holies, right, on one day, the high priest is allowed to enter that very, very sacred space that is not allowed for anyone for the rest of the year. And so if anyone who isn't the high priest enters that space, it is very dangerous. Like they're not ready to deal with the majesty of experience that's there. That's exactly what's happening here. Like Harry and Ron are unauthorized to enter that space. I um, just made a hand motion where my mind was blown. Explosion. <laughs> so, Casper, I think what you're talking about within Judaism is the idea of Kohanim, of the Kohens. And, for example, in Orthodox hospitals to this day, there are signs if there is a dead body on a floor, because if you are a Kohen, you will be unpurified if you are near a dead body. And so it's not just that you are allowed access to special rooms, it's that there are certain things that you can't have access to. And so, I mean, to this absence point, it means that there are other spaces that you can't go into. 
it's really interesting to think about those kind of boundaries of who is able to come in and who has to stay outside. Because in many ways, the car, right, the Weasley's car that bumped into the Whomping Willow and then escaped into the forest, it's now living in the forest, maybe has found sanctuary in the forest, becomes this kind of bridge crosser, right? First of all, it helps Harry and Ron find Aragog and the other spiders by giving light. And then it comes to rescue them. And so it's this kind of transitional I don't know, like a leader figure helping Harry and Ron travel into the sanctuary and then travel out again. Is there something there? Oh, absolutely. What's interesting to me, so Ron says to Harry, look, it's our car. What do you make of the hour? Is he saying our, the Weasley's car? Or is he saying our, like Harry and Ron's car? Because I think he's saying that it's Harry and Ron's. And I think that that is an argument for we have experienced something special in this car together. And so it is now ours. And it is, it becomes this like advocating force for them and this safe place for them. And I think that they have made it a sacred space by going through a trial together. Ooh, I like that. And the car, I think, feels the same way because the car, you know, as it's racing out of the forest, it loses one of its wing mirrors, you know, the little mirrors on the side. And so there's this kind of willingness to sacrifice. There's that theme, you know, which we've got to track throughout these books. There's a willingness to sacrifice for these boys. So I agree, like, the hour is not a possessive thing, but it's like a relational thing of like, we went through this together and we're connected in a way, which is beautiful. (laughs) Um, I just want to say I'm not trying to make light because I feel like we're having such a great conversation, but I just want to make a plug for dogs here. You know, we're sort of invited to love this car in this moment. And the way that it's described in the text is that it sort of responded to them like a dog. Just saying. Which is ironic because the dog that's with them, I'm like, Fang, baby, you're supposed to be scary. First of all, the teeth are stuck on the treacle tart, which Ron gives him. So it's like not super useful. Um, And then the poor thing is just terrified. He's so scared. He's such a wimp. I love him. But the Ford Anglia pup, super brave, super sweet. Just saying. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. 
I want to pick up on what you said, Vanessa, about this experience of going through a trial together that creates some sort of like a safety or a container. There's something about a sanctuary in that. You know, it makes me think of communities where you, through song or, or story or ritual, where you kind of remind each other who we are and what we've been through together, that that kind of creates this thing. There's something in that that I want to explore with you. Yeah, that trial creates intimacy and intimacy is a sort of sanctuary, right? It's a person can become a home base. A person can become a sense of safety, a symbol of security, and therefore a sort of sanctuary. Which is what happens with our trio. And I think the reason why Ron is so committed, and of course Harry as well, is part of that sanctuary has been taken away. Like Hermione has been, you know, it's crumbled and they want to rebuild it and they will do whatever it takes to keep that. Because in that relationship, you know, home is where the heart is. That's the same idea, I think. Absolutely. I, I'm just being reminded when I broke my ankle, once my mom showed up, I felt better. My mom wasn't a doctor. I was already at the doctor, right? So it's not like she could make anything better, but I felt better as soon as she was there. There's just a sanctuary sort of embodied in her, even when she's useless. <laughs> Love you, mom. <laughs> But she's not useless, right? Like she right. can't do anything actual or tactile. Right. But just like her presence is a sort of sanctuary. Can I point somewhere else in the text where I saw sanctuary? Yes. Really, it's in the opening lines. The sky and the lake alike turned periwinkle blue and flowers as large as cabbages burst into bloom, which beautiful language, J.K. Rowling. She should really write something. <laughs> she's, she's pretty good. What a talent. <laughs> But there's something about, you know, Hogwarts itself as sanctuary, but especially this notion of beauty. And I think, you know, it made me think about why do we create beautiful spaces? Like, what is that about? You know, in our home, communal beautiful spaces, and like sometimes being out in the natural world, looking across a mountain range or a sunset or a river, you know, sometimes that can feel very holy in some way. Like there's an element of feeling like you're in the sanctuary of just the natural world. And I wondered, do sanctuaries always have to be beautiful? I mean, isn't sanctuary just about a feeling of safety? It's a feeling of so much safety that you can really breathe. I mean, it's about safety and peace. And beauty, I think, helps because beauty inspires awe, which inspires a feeling of being able to meditate on, you know, the unknown. So I, I certainly think that beauty never hurts. But I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary for that feeling of sanctuary. Yeah. I mean, when we look at the etymology of the word, sanctuary comes from the Latin sanctus, which means holy. And I guess holy doesn't have to be beautiful, but maybe making it beautiful is more a response to what the sanctuary is and what the experience feels like. We want to honor it in some way. So we create the beauty to try and celebrate it. Yeah, I know we've talked about this weird thing that you and I do before, but a moment of sanctuary that I now have every year is when we go swimming at Walden Pond late once a year. And I think that there's a safety in knowing that I have good friends there. It's beautiful. It's comfortable. The water feels like a sanctuary. The sky feels like a sanctuary. But it could be a not nice night, and I still think it would feel holy. This is making me think of, in so many ways, it's our attitude to some things that might make it a sanctuary. 
And maybe what happens in a sanctuary is that we see the world through different eyes and we see the beauty that's already there. Because, you know, as you say, even if it was raining when we went to the midnight swimming, it would still be beautiful, but in a different way. And so I'm wondering if it's really about the way that we look at the world that creates an experience of sanctuary or that creates beauty around us so that we find what's beautiful. That sounds very pat, like find the beauty wherever you are. But, and I'm sorry, that was an American accent. (laughs) When you said something pat. Oh, I'm going to say something shallow. Let me do my American accent. (laughs) But that is such a lovely call to me because there are certain places where I have to go And I work myself up into making them sort of a miserable thing when they're not actually a miserable thing. And so, like, what if I saw it as, like, a place of sanctuary where I was going and, you know, left certain attributes of myself outside and instead committed myself to finding the beauty and mystery in those situations? Even if it's the DMV waiting line. Yeah, I don't think I can do that. But (laughs) some places, not the DMV. Vanessa, this week is our final week of engaging in our spiritual practice of Chavruta. But let me ask you this question. We learn from Aragog that spiders are terrified of the monster that lives in the Chamber of Secrets. So terrified that they won't even name it, right? They're really terrified. I am trying to figure out why are they so afraid of the basilisk? You know, logically, it seems that Spiders are very small. The basilisk is really big. Why would the basilisk eat spiders? Is is that why they're afraid? Or is it something else? And the only answer I can come up with is that, you know, spiders are maybe inherently good and the basilisk is evil and they're just like they can feel the evil or perhaps they can hear. Maybe the spiders speak parcel tongue. I, I'm clutching at straws and I really need some help here. I'm trying to think what I'm profoundly scared of. And is it possible that the spiders and the basilisk have never really met? And part of what the spiders are afraid of is the mythology around the basilisk? Because I think the unknown is often the most terrifying. What do you think about that theory? I like that. It's also making me think about the similarities between Aragog and the basilisk in that, you know, they're both there unbeknownst to most of the school. And Aragog surely knows about his own capacity to kill and to harm. He says very bluntly, like, unless you're Hagrid, I'm afraid, guys, you're fresh meat. So sayonara. And so maybe what he's afraid of in the basilisk is actually also in himself. Oh, interesting. Right? Like, sometimes what annoys me most about other people are the things that I do that I don't like about myself. But so I'm wondering if it's sort of a recognition of Maybe I don't want to hurt people, but I do. And that's what I see in the basilisks. I'm not even going to name it. It's so interesting, though, right? Because if it's recognition and unknown, there are two things that complicate this. One, why not then name it? Because that'll make it less scary. You know, like name it Phil. And then you're like, oh, Phil. I don't know. I just feel like things become less scary if they're named Phil. (laughs) But also, what do we make of the fact that Aragog is blind? He can't see the basilisk, but would the basilisk still be able to see him? Because we find out that you have to lay eyes on the basilisk in order for it to kill you. So could Aragog even be killed by the basilisk? Oh, oh, Vanessa, sometimes the things that we fear most are the things we are, in fact, uniquely able to overcome. 
right? Like Aragog cannot be harmed by the basilisk because he can't see it. So like he's maybe the one who could end the basilisk's reign of terror, right? Like there's something about the thing that we feel most terrified of doing is the thing that will set us free. And I wonder if this is actually a metaphor about that. To think of an example, like before I came out, like the most terrifying thing that I could imagine was people knowing that I was gay, right? You're gay. I know. (laughs) My husband's freaking out right now. (laughs) But like once I came out, it was the most liberating thing in the world, right? So the thing which can be most frightening, actually, it's not to say we have to do it immediately, but when we can get there, it's actually the most fantastic thing to happen. So Aragog should confront the basilisk. Yeah. Aragog should be like, hey, Phil, what are you doing Friday? And then, like, come with a sneaky little sword and just be like, let's go. So while we're in this weird place, help me make sense of why the rooster's crow is the only thing other than, like, the sort of Gryffindor, apparently, that can kill the basilisk. I mean, a rooster's crow is about new dawn starting over and, like, the basilisk wants to kill Muggleborns, so it's like... I mean, it's about being afraid of change, right? I feel like a rooster's crow is a call of change. A new day has dawned. I like that. I mean, the other thing which I'm thinking of is that the rooster is kind of small and harmless, right? These birds can't even fly. And roosters are to a penny, right? They're super ordinary. And again, I think there's something about sometimes it's the most ordinary, right? And in some ways, this is the Harry's story. It's, it's the most ordinary child who happens to to be able through this long, arduous journey to overcome the most evil thing in the world. And I, and I think that's encapsulated in this story. And what the text is telling us is that even if we feel like we're nothing special, that we have nothing unusual to give, we're not particularly strong or clever or fast or whatever it is, you know, like David and Goliath, actually that gives us something special to overcome the most frightening thing. So I, I love that actually the most simple harmless creature has this unique power to overcome the most frightening thing. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com This week's voicemail is from Heather McDonald. Hey guys, uh, my name is Heather McDonald. I'm from Sacramento and I am obsessed with your podcast. I've gotten all my friends to start listening, so you're welcome. But um, I just finished your chapter uh, about writings on the wall and you started talking about guilt and this idea of having guilt within innocence or you know that you've done nothing wrong, but you still kind of feel guilty somehow or, or I don't know. And it got me thinking about a relationship that I had lasted about two years and it was really emotionally abusive. Um, it was very difficult for me to move past and I carried so much responsibility for what happened and I had so many people telling me, you know, like this wasn't your fault and um, just because you loved someone fully doesn't mean, you know, you've done anything wrong and uh, I, 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 the more I kind of thought about that and I got out of that place, the more I realized I think I needed to feel guilty and feel like somehow it was my fault because that implied somehow that I had a decision or a choice to make. And I think while there's a lot of bad things about guilt, like you talked about with the um, original sin, I think guilt is a weirdly powerful tool that that you have some say or that, I don't know, with this relationship in particular, the idea that I let this happen to me or I asked for these things to happen to me gave me the confidence and the strength to then move forward and say, but in the future, I won't. And so therefore, I will not be abused and I will not be taken advantage of. And that was a really powerful tool for me to be able to uh, move forward and, and move forward with confidence that I'm safe. So I don't know, just kind of putting guilt in that perspective of power in a weird way. Uh, I just love your podcast, guys. Thank you so much for this. I look forward to it every single week. And like I said, I'm getting everybody on the bandwagon. So thanks. Oh my God, Heather, I love that idea. Yeah, that guilt actually acknowledges the agency that we have, that it's a way into claiming our own power. And again, you know, the difference between guilt and shame, shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad so I can do it differently. So love that. Heather, I also just really liked that point. And I think that guilt at minimum can be an opportunity to reflect, a feeling that can allow us the opportunity to reflect on what we did, even if the conclusion we came to is, you know, the fault doesn't end up on me. Thanks also for telling all your friends. You know, that means a lot to us when people tell us that they share the podcast with friends and family. So thank you so much for listening and and sending that in, Heather. It's time for us to bless someone we met in the pages of this chapter. Vanessa, who are you blessing this week? I want to bless Hermione because she is missing so much school this year. And, 
you know, I've been sick and had to like miss things in life. So I want to bless Hermione as a symbol for all the people who are in bed right now and not able to do everything that they want to be doing. Um, I think Hermione is with you in this moment and so made me think of you. Casper, who would you like to bless? My blessing is for the car. I just freaking love the car. (laughs) I mean, like, showing up when you're needed without anyone asking, doing what needs to be done, being brave in the face of danger. Oh, my gosh, this car is amazing. And being willing to do something good without any credit, like earning any sort of reward from it. And I think so often what the world needs from us is, is that kind of unselfish generosity where we know what's right and we do it without expecting praise and that's that's hard and i think the car is a symbol of what we can do in the world you've been listening to harry potter and the sacred text next week we'll read chapter 16 the chamber of secrets through the theme of grace we're thrilled to say that we have transcripts of episodes one and two of book one now on the website so if you want to read through what we said or if you want to share with folks who aren't able to listen please do check out the transcripts and a huge thanks to oscar Cado for doing all of that hard work for us we are so grateful Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. This episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text was produced by Ariana Nettleman, Casper Turkile, and me, Vanessa Zoltan. Our social media coordinator is Jen Stark. Our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Bull. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is part of the Panoply Network. You'll find ours and other great shows at panoply.fm. Thanks to Heather McDonald for this week's voice. Voicemail, Rebecca and Charlie Ledley and Stephanie Purcell. We'll see you next week. He slides through the tubes of the castle. <laughs> Phil, stop it with your ripping and your killing. Right? Oh, what are we going to do about Phil this week?